hold on to your butt. I'm quite surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Good evening and welcome to the program. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. I'm your host, Joey. Thank you so much for listening. Now, I do have to say today on this Gross Sex National Day, or no, excuse me, Columbus Day or Indigenous Peoples Day, that the news doesn't seem all that new. Yes, Donald Trump is in a feud with somebody. Rich, powerful men tried to use their riches and their power to get themselves sexual favors. Wait, are we talking about Donald Trump or Bill Clinton or Harvey Weinstein? California's on fire, so it doesn't happen every year. Again, people are trying to tear down statues of Columbus or deface statues of Columbus. I think that's been going on for a few years. So what's actually new in the news? I suppose there's this Iran deal and the potential for potential for Trump decertifying it, whatever the hell that means, with the Kremlin and Tehran saying themselves that if Trump does this, there will be negative consequences. That's from the Kremlin and Iran promises, quote unquote, crushing response over labeling their revolutionary guard troops a terror network. Yes, the... War in Syria does seem to be dying down as ISIS continues to face defeat in Syria and Iraq. But all the big players in the region are sizing each other up. And they are wondering, where's the advantage to be gained now? Whether you're talking about Israel or Iran, whether you're talking about Saudi Arabia or Turkey, or the lowly Kurds. And Bashar al-Assad is still... The clean-shaven lion of the Levant, he is yet to be overthrown. So we'll see how this all plays out. But let's go back to Mr. Weinstein. I'm wondering, because I believe he said initially in his defense of this bombshell New York Times piece that was thrown out on Thursday of last week, I think he said something to the effect of, quote, I came of age in the 60s and 70s, when all the rules about behavior in the workplaces were different. So I'm not born till 1988, folks. I don't start getting into workplaces until the aughts, until the year 2000. And I've always assumed that in the workplace, just like any other place... People should respect one another as equal colleagues. There should be no gossip, no tomfoolery, and certainly no sexual favors exchanged to advance one's career. But apparently this has been going on for decades. And because Weinstein came of age in the 60s and 70s and not in the 90s and early 2000s as I did, and I'm continuing to come of age... I find this excuse bizarre. 
Now, I've heard it all before, but I need your help, folks. I'm this young millennial, and instead of damning Weinstein, I want some perspective here. What was it like in the 60s and the 70s? Was it just a sexual predator parade, or were there actually good, upstanding businessmen and women? Or just businessmen? Now, I find this all bizarre, but of course, here's, for those of you who haven't heard of the allegations yet against Weinstein, and Weinstein has been fired by the board of his company that bears his name, the Weinstein Company. His own brother on the board chose to fire him. Some are saying this isn't the end for Mr. Weinstein, but think of it this way. Rose McGowan, Ashley Judd, or maybe you're just some assistant. You're not even an actress proper yet, but you're trying to make your way into the film business. And you think, oh no, I've got a business meeting with Harvey Weinstein. So you go to the hotel and you find that, oh, we're not meeting in a public place. We're actually meeting in Mr. Weinstein's room. And as you sit there and you expect the conversation to focus on upcoming films and projects he's working on. Yes, he's talking about the films and projects, but he intersperses into that some weird comments. And then all of a sudden in the background, you hear music. Oh, no. Harvey, what are you doing? What is... Are you in a bathroom? Turn off the lights. Light a candle. Tonight yeah, the music would come up. He would ask for massages. People to watch him take a shower. Take a shower. Shower together. Ew. See, Harvey, here's the deal, man. If you want to say something like that, if you want to say, rub me down in some hot oils, baby, or girl, or whatever Teddy Pendergrass says, you have to be Teddy Pendergrass. You can't be Harvey Weinstein. You have to be Teddy. By the way, that is the song of the day. We've got this great vinyl best of Teddy Pendergrass at the house. It's such good music. But again, I'm not surprised by this at all. I'm amazed that this went on as long as it did without anybody bringing it up in the national press. But is this where we are? I mean, because you could very much say that, imagine, folks, you're a young intern trying to make your way into the world of politics. And you find that one day the President of the United States calls you into the Oval Office instead of asking you know, what his schedule is or how you can help him out, maybe get him a cup of coffee or a glass of water. The Oval Office blinds shut automatically. There are no Secret Service agents around and the music starts. President Clinton, what are you doing? You're not Teddy Pendergrass. You're not allowed to say these things. Now, many folks are focusing on this story and saying, oh, well, this shows the hypocrisy of the left and people like Hillary Clinton, because it is true 
that Weinstein is well known in Democratic circles, a big bundler for the Democrats. But it wasn't just the story of Harvey Weinstein and his abuse of power for sexual favors. And seriously, you're asking people to give you a massage and watch you take a shower? I mean, but look at pictures of him. He would ask that. Hey, watch me take a shower, baby. But it wasn't just Weinstein in the news last week. Representative Tim Murphy, a married eight-term pro-life, that's key for this story, Republican from Pennsylvania, resigned after it came out that he wanted his mistress to have an abortion during a pregnancy scare. Now, the abortion never happened. I don't think she was actually pregnant. But each situation, the one with Weinstein and the one with former Representative Tim Murphy, underscores the massive hypocrisy liberals and conservatives, Democrats and Republicans, traffic in. Each also helps explain why Americans are right to want the government out of their lives as much as possible. When the people who fund politicians and the politicians themselves are so full of awfulness, who in their right mind would give such figures the right to dictate any part of our lives? It's no wonder that support for a major third party is higher than ever, according to Gallup and many other pollsters. Now, Weinstein has a long and phenomenal clip reel. And though he has been fired, it probably doesn't mean that his career is quite over. When you have that much money, you have that much talent, and you have a network like his, you'll probably still get work, even though your name won't be on it. I mean, throughout the 80s and 90s, Weinstein backed films such as Pulp Fiction and Clerks. Shakespeare in Love, The English Patient, Goodwill Hunting, The Crying Game. This mix of critical praise and box office might gave Weinstein an immense amount of power in the entertainment industry. And despite a reputation of being a total a-hole, he also brought his way into the highest circles, bought his way, excuse me, into the highest circles of Democratic Party fundraising. He gained access to people like Hillary Clinton, John Kerry, Al Franken, Kristen Gillibrand, Chuck Schumer, Cory Booker, and Elizabeth Warren. He shelled out hundreds of thousands of dollars to the Democratic Senatorial Campaign and the Democratic National Committee and has also donated to state Democratic parties. In total, his political donations amount to over $1.4 million. is ridiculous. And Lorne Michaels, who explained his show's lack of jokes at Weinstein's expense over this past weekend, claimed it's a New York thing. And this brings us to Tim Murphy, the Republican. Murphy's relationship with a married psychologist named Susan Edwards came to light last month when her husband sought to depose the congressman as part of a divorce proceeding. While that was difficult enough for a 65-year-old man who 
runs and has claimed to run a political career on family values. Politico reported that it was only when messages about a possible abortion between Tim Murphy and this woman, Susan Edwards, came to light. And this, the messages, is what caused Representative Murphy's career to tank. Quote, and you have zero issue posting your pro-life stance all over the place when you had no issue asking me to abort our unborn child just last week when we thought that was one of the options. This, the woman, Edwards, texted to Murphy in late January. Wow. Murphy thought he was going to hold on and continue his career. At least to the end of his term in the House. But he's gone now. If Harvey Weinstein wielded near-absolute power in Hollywood, Murphy had created a personal fiefdom in Pennsylvania's 18th Congressional District, winning 100% of the vote in 2014 and 2016. He was a power player among pro-life groups. But like Weinstein was known for treating his support staff in abusive, angry ways. Due to fits of rage and uncalled for criticisms of his staff and insults. Now, Republican hypocrisy about abortion is nothing new. In 92, pro-life advocates attacked Vice President Dan Quayle when he said he'd support his daughter's hypothetical choice to get an abortion. Or in 2014, it came out that Tennessee Representative Scott... I'll have a last name that you can pronounce. Dejerlace had counseled both an ex-wife and a mistress to get abortions. And yes, the holy hypocrisy there is ridiculous. But Gallup is reporting again, folks, that self-identified political independents are gaining steam and Republicans and Democrats are struggling to gain and keep voters. Self-identified GOP members come in at just 28% of voters and Democrats pull 31% of eligible voters. Well below either party's historical highs. And fully 61% of voters believe that a major third party is needed to better represent our views in national politics. But will all this hypocrisy actually give chance for a third party a different way? Well, if calling out hypocrisy is all we have, I doubt it. Because calling out hypocrisy is a common practice. In modern politics, and those who engage in it are most likely hypocrites themselves. In fact, I've done it a lot myself. In many ways, yes, I am a hypocrite. I try not to be, but I'm sure you could find something. Who knows if I'd grown up in the 60s and 70s, and I was the head of a big, powerful film company, how would I behave? I'd like to think I would behave in a different manner. There's something about power that corrupts people. People, whether it's political power or cultural power, whether it's power in the corporate office or power in the Oval Office, 
And I've called out hypocrisy a lot. Especially partisan hypocrisy. And I've called it out with the hope that shining a light on these partisan inconsistencies will somehow, some way, someday inspire some degree of integrity. Inspire people to go a different way. But I now, I now feel foolish for hoping so. The call-outs only seem to encourage new accusations of hypocrisy. In my experience, calling out hypocrisy rarely inspires consistency or truth in politics. Because really, when you ask these politicians, when you ask these powerful people in all walks of life, are you a hypocrite? Most people in private conversation will readily admit it. Yeah, I'm a hypocrite, but I have all this political power. So what are you going to do about it? Yeah, I'm a hypocrite, but I've got Oscar after Oscar on my mantle. I've got Emmy after Emmy. I've got FU money, so you can go F yourself. And really, when you're trying to represent thousands, if not millions of people's diverse views and conflicting interests all at once, how are you not going to be turned into a hypocrite? So I have a little test here for those who want to call out all the hypocrisies and lies of our age. When you see fit to call out hypocrites and hypocrisy, ask yourself, what are your intentions for doing so? Are you calling out hypocrites to help break the fourth wall of politics and reveal the dirty, boring fact of politics? Or are you damning somebody's hypocrisy only to distract and conceal from your own? Because that's what happens so often. Folks will see this with Harvey Weinstein and say, Oh, look, even the liberals are doing it, so Trump's grab him by the... Common isn't all that bad. Just locker room talk. See, personally, I don't think people are all that upset. I think people are going about their day, enjoying their Columbus Day off. Unless they're protesting a statue, most people just enjoy the day off. But now I'm sitting here having these weird thoughts about what would Harvey Weinstein have to offer me for me to rub his shoulders? Because could he actually guarantee a hit film? Like, he's had hit films, but I'm sure he's had some duds. And would you trade that? Would you rub Harvey Weinstein's shoulders or watch him take a shower to, say, reach the status of Matt Damon? It's gross. It's disgusting. But I try to put myself in Harvey's shoes. Was it the lure of it being these up-and-coming actresses? Did you enjoy it because you had power over these people? 
and you knew you could get away with asking whatever you wanted, putting people in awkward positions? Is that what you got to rise out of? Having the power? Because it seems like somebody as rich and as powerful as you could, if you just wanted sex, you could get it in other ways. You would think somebody who's a married man, wouldn't you? Well, that's naive of me, I suppose. This whole story, again, folks, it doesn't seem like the news is all that new. You're telling me that rich and powerful men have used their money and power as leverage against people to get sexual favors. No, it's not that new. What's new is that people are actually reacting to it. Reacting to it in a way that suggests, yeah, some of them are hypocrites and they're trying to cover up their own misdeeds. By virtuing in public, they would never do that. But I think there are genuinely people who have changed their minds on these subjects. And that though it's been an open secret in the inner circles, it's been a secret but not a secret that Harvey's been this sort of a-hole. It's finally coming out. So again, I say, whether you're Bill Clinton or you're Harvey Weinstein or you're Donald Trump, You can't get away with that stuff just because you're rich and famous, powerful. It will one day come to bite you in the ass. Now, you may rise above it. You may even be president of the United States. I mean, if this article on Weinstein reads just like the article published about Trump before he was elected. It reads just like all the news that came out on Bill O'Reilly, who is no longer with Fox and Sean Hannity, who is. Why are some people fired and yet some people keep or get the job? I don't think it's as, as simple as folks are upset by the hypocrisy. Folks are upset by the inequities and power between these rich, powerful men and these women they are preying on. Now, at the end of the day, fellas, no matter how much money and power you have, you'll have to admit that you're not a sex symbol. That people don't want to watch you shower. Why? Why would you even ask that, you creep? No, there are only a select few who get to be sex symbols. Teddy Pendergrass was one of them. I don't... I can't get away with saying the stuff he says in this song. Thank you for listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. We'll be right back. Turn off the
Teddy Pendergrass, listening to it on vinyl. This song's Love TKO. Looking back over my years, I guess I shed some tears. I told myself time and time again, this time I'm gonna win. For another fight, things ain't right, I'm losing again. I wish I could have been that smooth and all my heartbreaks. Just let it go looks like another love TKO. Just left this song on. Send a YouTube video link or something rather than the nasty things I did say. But I'm serious, folks. Have you seen a change in the workplace environment over the last few decades? That was Weinstein's defense. I grew up in the 60s and the 70s. I suppose it has changed. The number is 272-9228. And if I had just listened to Teddy Pendergrass's advice and just... Chalk it up as another love TKO. Things aren't going to work out. Maybe I'd still be friends with some of my exes, but... No, it ended badly. And again, the news doesn't seem that news tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Trump's in a feud with Senator Bob Corker. Rich and powerful men are using their money and power to get sex. Or some weird power play out of it. Half of that. I'm not even in that position. I don't know what it's like. There are fires in California. That happens all the time. It's tragic. Don't want anybody to die out there, but it continues to happen. We continue to freak out about these things. There's still confusion over the Las Vegas shooting. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. All the things going on in foreign policy. Tomorrow night, my guest will be Kelly Vlahos. She is a writer for the American Conservative. And she writes about what uh, she likes to refer to as National Security Inc. National Security Incorporated. and Security State. Some might call it the Deep State. I plan on asking her about what I refer to these days as the Empire. Now, is it necessarily an evil empire? No. But it is an empire nonetheless. 
Yes, I'm talking about all the obligations the United States holds abroad. Why everybody looks to the United States to make all these decisions. Why the United States pays the most money at international bodies, say, like the United Nations or the IMF. I'm looking forward to talking to Kelly because she's also... Well, she takes time away from politics to write about music. We'll be talking about the passing of Walter Becker, the lesser-known half of the duo behind Steely Dan. May Walter rest in peace. But our hope our discussion focuses on how the national security state has taken many a peace president, chewed him up, spit him out, and said, look at all the obligations the United States has. You think you can pull out of Afghanistan? Good luck with that. You think you can ignore the rise of China or the threats being made by North Korea? Good luck with that. You think you can ignore what's going on with Israel and Iran? Israel and the Palestinians? What's going on in Egypt and Saudi Arabia? No, you have to pay attention to all these things. You think you can ignore what's going on in Eastern Europe and the Ukraine? No. Everything is on the table. The United States has a global perspective and vision. In my mind, it is time for us to pull back these obligations. It's time for us to live up to what I thought Donald Trump was going to represent as a sort of consolidation of the empire. We'll pull back some of the financial and military obligations, whether in Eastern Europe or the Eastern Pacific. Pull back out of the multifaceted civil wars in the Middle East. That's not what we've seen under this president. We've seen in many ways he's given deference to his military men. On that, I won't knock him too much. I think some of the worst presidents and worst wars were micromanaged from the White House. Such as Vietnam, for example. Or Iraq War II. In many ways, these were failures of a political establishment and not the military per se. But with all these obligations out there in the world... You have to wonder, how long can the United States keep it up? How long can the United States continue to press its hand, whether with financial sanctions or military threats, and come out smelling like a rose on the other side? Luckily, the United States has become more independent in terms of its fuel situation. We aren't necessarily relying on the Middle East for all of our fuel. But others are reliant. See, when I take a holistic picture of where the United States is in 2017, it is our own hypocrisy and partisanship. It is our debt-ridden system. And yes, it is somewhat our hubris and our pride, especially in 
terms of our military capabilities that could potentially be the United States' downfall. Yes, our hypocrisy and partisanship here leads the United States government to make promises it can't keep. Turn around four years later and make completely different promises it can't keep. And so on and so forth, rinse and repeat. The pendulum swings back and forth from left to right, right to left, left to right, right to left. And more and more people don't feel represented by the two parties. Does this mean a third party can succeed? Well, the Libertarian Party stunk it up this past election. They stunk it up badly. So I don't know how much hope there is for that. But if you move away from the partisanship and all the infighting, if you move away from how every single thing under the sun has become a political football, whether in football or film, and you look just at the United States' financial obligations to its citizens and worldwide, How long can we keep issuing more and more debt for less and less return? Are we going to blame foreign countries for our lackluster economic returns? Are we going to blame our home government and the lack of freedom here at home for those bad outcomes? We cannot continue to project strength as we sink further and further into debt. We cannot be the guarantor of security if we can't guarantee our own books will be balanced. And how virtuous is it for folks who are living much longer than ever expected to continue to take out more and more debt, saddling not only their children like me or their grandchildren like me, But the unborn, I hope to have kids one day. If I don't keep having love TKOs, I hope to have kids one day. But you have to ask yourself seriously, and I'm sure young couples are asking themselves this. Do I really want to bring a child into this world as it is? That you work hard, you pay off your debts, you pay your bills, and you realize the government's taking up more debt in my name. And they do this for the short term, the short term, the short term, saying in the long run, we're all dead. No, we're not. We're not all dead in the long run. So how virtuous is it to throw all this indebtedness onto your children, your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren? For the sake of what? Controlling China? How's that going? Pushing Russia into a corner? How's that going? Remaking the Middle East into a bastion of democracy? Is that working out? No, it is not. It's not working out whatsoever. You know, on this Iranian deal, the deal, as it was struck, has remained and stayed true. But the criticism from day one, from whether Israel or Saudi Arabia 
parties here in the United States was that the deal itself wasn't robust enough. They wanted more restrictions on, say, Iran's nuclear delivery systems if they ever did pursue a nuclear weapon after the terms of the nuclear agreement were done. But Iran has continued to to develop missile technologies. Saudi Arabia and Israel still do not feel safe in their own backyard, though we do know the Israelis have nuclear weapons. The Saudis do not, as far as we know. But in a turbulent Middle East, do we really want people racing for the bomb? No. We're already seeing what that's doing in the Asia-Pacific with North Korea. Not only flirting with millions dying in a war just between the United States and North Korea, but potential world war. Because who knows how China will view certain actions on part of the United States in their own backyard. So we have a lot to figure out. But I do not think it's wise for this president to decertify this deal and then have Congress slap more sanctions on the Iranians. The reason the original sanctions worked because it wasn't just the United States. It was the whole globe putting sanctions on Iran. If you pull back now and you throw sanctions on the Iranians, is it going to work in the long term? People like Tillerson and Mattis shockingly agree with me that this isn't a wise path that's going to leave the United States with less options when it comes to dealing with Iran. But Trump is going to push the debate, push the debate, push the debate. He's never liked this deal. He's never liked it. And I have a feeling Donald Trump is not going to shy away from a fight either. But again, that's where you have to look at the larger picture. Who is helping the Iranians? Who is integrating with the Iranian economy? Yes, many European nations, but... On the military level, Russia is hoping to back Iran. Russia was a party to this agreement. How will the Chinese react to pulling out of this deal? You might say it's not a full pullout. He's just decertifying it and sending it to Congress. But it does send a signal of here's where the United States is going. Now, again, this is my worry, folks, that the United States continues to push its hand and push its leverage that it does have right now in the short term. And without gaining much in the short term, we lose that leverage in the long run. How can you say that we are the world's reserve currency, we are the guarantor of global prosperity, and you continue to use that power as a means to control other nations? To set the terms of the agenda. If you continue down this road in that way, will not a nation like China try to take over international institutions and set the agenda themselves? 
And if you've been playing the game as a nation, as the United States for decades, that these international institutions are neutral, and China comes on and starts changing those neutral rules in their favor, how can you really say anything? How can you criticize them at all? So again, tomorrow night, my guest will be Kelly Vlahos. She's a writer for the American Conservative. We're going to be getting into all these big questions about the empire and the national security state. It's not coming from a place of ill will on my, my part. Maybe more place of disappointment. That you're raised on all these American dreams and symbols of the United States strength. And you realize only when you grow up to see that it's just happy talk. That it was reputation, not truth. That it was aspiration, not reality. In many ways, the United States has been a beacon for goodness and liberty in this world. But in other ways, it has taken that beacon and squandered it. And going forward on this show, I need your help. I need your advice. Because I'm getting tired of trying to call out all the lies and hypocrisies of our age. I'm ill-equipped to do it. I would rather just have fun, sit back and listen to music. Stop trying to save the world and simply enjoy the world and make friends along the way. I'd rather be a foolish friend than have some savior complex. So please go to the Joey Clark Radio Hour Facebook page. Give it a like. I need suggestions on where to take this show. I have some of my own ideas, but I want to hear from you, the audience. Do you feel as though America's best days are ahead of her? Do you feel secure in your own life from your own perch? I have my own vantage point. In many ways, I do not feel secure. But I'm young. And there's a lot left for me to learn. I'm wondering about those of you who've had a little more life under your belt. Packed on a few more pounds. Live the good life. Live the tough life. I want to know where you're going. Because again, the news doesn't seem all that new. The news seems like more of the same. Little distractions while big issues are hashed out in the back room. Are we really going to change the name of Columbus Day? I don't care either way. If you tell me Columbus was actually a pretty bad guy, I'll read the history books you send my way. If you're an Italian-American, say, oh, these, these are smears against a great man, Christopher Columbus. And you want me to read that way? Sure. But again, this seems like a distraction from the big things going on in this world. So, we will see going forward. Whether or not this president, this Congress, or somebody else can steer the good ship America in the right direction. But to me right now, I think I agree with most Americans. 
that we're not represented by our government. Really, in the, all of the political news, the one thing that doesn't seem that new, the one thing that gives me hope is the independence, the desire for independence in Catalonia. Taking it to the central government in Madrid. Taking it to the bureaucrats in Brussels. My heart is with the Kurds who want their own nation. Not to be second-class citizens to the Turks or to Iraqis or Iranians or Syrians. And I hope we find more independent, strong nations going forward. And yes, there will be days when I don't want to talk about any of the big issues and I don't want to talk about the distractions in the news. I want to talk about my own distractions that really aren't distractions at all. That's why I pick an album of the day every day. And again, the album of the day today was the best of Teddy Pendergrass. No matter how much money, how much power you get, it doesn't make you a sex symbol. It probably just makes you a high-powered, expensive creep. Now, some people just got it and some people don't. If only I could be as cool as Teddy Pendergrass. And have just walked away from any experience. Well, looks like another love TKO. Thank you for listening tonight. This has been the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Again, find me on Facebook under that name, the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Give me a like. Share your opinion. Looking back all my years, I guess I shed some tears. Told myself time and time again, this time I'm gonna win.